Now let's go to the word. We'll pick up in verse one. To the angel of the church of Ephesus. Right? These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. Watch, watch what God says about this great church. We find this church in the book of Acts. We can actually walk this church down through history and see the, the good works mentioned here. We can see the fruit thereof in the book of Acts. He says to them, I know your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. That sounds like the North Walhalla Church of God, praise God. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. That sounds like the North Walhalla Church of God. For 104 years, we've held on to sound doctrine, stood against devils. We fought against the opposition of the enemy, but let's keep reading. And you have persevered and have patience. 105 years now, that's perseverance and patience. Can somebody say amen? amen. And have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Look at our diligence. I feel good about our church this morning, praise God. And if I would stop right there, we could go home and drink sweet tea and just smile. But the word says, nevertheless, I have this against you. Not 10 things, not 30 things, not 50 things, just one thing. I have this against you that you have left your first Father today, what good is it to have a church here 106 years if we don't experience your love of transformation and that we don't enjoy being in your presence? <laughs> and God, if we're not like children who dance before the Father, what good is coming to church? Father, I, I don't understand when we lose that intimate desire as a spouse to the wife. God, or vice versa, that when they're no longer beautiful in our eyes, when the beauty begins to dim and our eyes begin to look in other places, knowing that commitment keeps us, but should it just be commitment alone? Can we not go back to the beginning, the alpha of our relationship? Go back to the first touch and the first caress. Go back to the first date and rekindle that fire. Is it not the same way in the spirit? I say, yes, Lord. The book of Ephesians compares that relationship to a husband and a wife and Christ in the church. The Song of Solomon walks us through a love story of intimacy and then when intimacy left and how it can be found again. So today I want to applaud the church that I pastor. We feed, we clothe, we pay bills for people, God. We've been faithful. We've been through the mountaintops and even in the valleys, but we have always been faithful. But yet I hear the Spirit saying to this young pastor, to this church today, but do you love me? Are you in love with me? Father, I pray today, God, that passion would be restored and that we would have no excuses when we leave this house. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Can we give God the biggest hand of praise, amen?
just lift your hands? Let's wait on the Lord. Father, I feel you so intimately in this house. And I feel that this sermon is not going to be under a rebuke, but an invitation. So God, help this preacher today walk this sermon out of the Spirit that I can lead people to a place of worship that they haven't experienced in a long time. Today there's going to be a spark started again in the hearts of some people in Jesus' name. If you love him, would you take 10 more seconds and just love on him? Father, I want to let you know I love you today. And I thank you for saving me. And I thank you for forgiving me, God. And I thank you for loving me while I was yet a sinner. And that no matter what I do today, I cannot buy your love or grace. But by faith, I can access it today. Father, you are madly in love with us today. Therefore, you sent your son to die that we might have life. So we as a church, we celebrate you. We declare that we are grateful that you love this world. God, that you were our ransom in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Now at this time, let's give God a hand of praise. Amen. I read a story one time about a master or a man of well influence who said to his servant, Servant, I have a feast prepared and I desire that you will go out and Invite all to come and sit at my table. It's free. But I want you to go out and get those who, who I want to bless and who I want to touch and love. And I want you to go get them and receive them back to me. So the servant goes out. When the servant goes out, he begins to call and beckon those, come. The master now calls, come and die. When he gets to the first man, the first man says, I would love to come sit at your table but I've just bought a piece of land and now I've got to go see it or look at it. And I love the scripture says, he asked him, will you excuse me? It's amazing. There's not many people I know who just buy a piece of land without looking at it. Maybe if it was on Lake Kiwi, we would probably take a shot, but, but nevertheless, it was his excuse and it sounded like a good excuse. And then another man he went to, he left TJ and he went down to Herschel and, and he looked at Herschel and he said, Herschel, the master has called for you. Come and die. The table is now spread. Come sit at the table. And Herschel says back to the servant, I have bought five oxen and I need to go try them out. I would love to come sit at the table, but I've got to go test my investment. Will you please excuse me? Then he goes to the next one. He goes to Danny and he says, Danny, be careful here, Danny. But he goes to Danny and says to Danny, Danny, I want you to come to the master's table and come die. The master is now called for you. And Danny says, I have just married a woman. And Danny says, y'all saw that. And Danny says to him, 
and scripture's a little vague there this far, but nevertheless, he could not come. Can you excuse me? And he comes back to the master and he says, these people I have called, these people I have asked, but every one of them have an excuse. And the master says, then go, go back out and find the poor, the lame. Go back out and go into the highways and the hedges and compel those to come and eat at my table because I am good to them. I fix it for them and I want them to come be in my presence. Go out and compel them. But nevertheless, I tell you this, for those who have refused me, they shall not partake of this meal. I read that somewhere, somewhere. Isn't it amazing the excuses that we make on why we are not faithful to him? Isn't it amazing the excuses that we make on why we're not madly in love with God? People who were once saved out of debauchery and wickedness and sin, who once walked the sanctuaries and graced the presence of prayer rooms, who once had intimate times on their front porch or back porch, or who, in, who loved to engage God's people and hear biblical preaching and run to camp meetings and run to revival services not to be seen, not for promotion, but just because you knew that God was going to meet you because his word said he would. But today we are filled with every excuse possible why that we are not madly in love with Jesus Christ. And today I ask every mature believer in this house, why as at this moment is your soul not satisfied? Why at this moment with God that there are other things that always grab men, grab our attention, and it seems like God is not enough? I want to ask you today, why do I not have an appetite for the holy things of God? I want to put it in your lap today and ask you, are you still excited about being a Christian? Do you still come alive when you hear that somebody got saved at the Baptist church or the Presbyterian church? Or, or are you jealous that nobody got saved at our church today? Are you excited when you hear somebody preaching God's word or a young preacher ra being raised up from the ashes or some new group that's come out that has a new ministry that reaches the masses? Or are you indifferent to God? Or are you, are you jealous? Or are you mad because it's not being done the exact way that you want it to be done? Why do we get mad at communion when it's not done the way we think it should be done and get mad over the style, but we've lost the, the influence of communion itself? Are you listening? Why are you quiet? I'm just talking to you right now. And what's happening is our appetite is no longer there. Why, why are we not excited when the preacher preaches a great word and it steps on our feet and we run to altars or, or we go back home and apply it to our life but instead we pick it apart, we dissect it till it has no power, no value. We strip the word down to meet our lifestyles. We make excuses on why we don't want to adhere to the word of God. Why are our prayers so silent? Why do we not run to God in conversation and communion? Why are we not excited as we would run to our bed to meet our spouse? Are you listening? Why are we not drawn to that private time with God that we know he still walks through the cool of the day if he can be found people that are there at the cool of the day? 
I said, I'm not move us anymore to say, God, this is my dry soul, my part soul. I've tried this whole world, and as older and older and older I get, I realize that Jesus then and Jesus now is still the greatest love of my life, and nothing else can compare. Come on, give God praise if you believe that. It's time, as I said last week, Laodicea was arrogant, but I believe Ephesus was a church of excuses. But let me brag on them. Here at Ephesus, they preached sound doctrine. They stood up to heretics. They withstood the pressure to conform to the world. They were a holy church. Somebody say amen. They were a church that did the right things. They were a busy church. They were a very busy church. In fact, I believe sometimes like we see today, they, we're more busy than we are godly. We look to do ministry, but we never let ministry do us. We want to operate in the spirit of compassion without having the spirit of compassion. And no wonder our tanks are all empty because we have given out and we've put nothing back in. And what's happening, that was a church at Ephesus. It wasn't a thousand things that God had against them. Jesus says, there's one thing. You work, you preach soundly, you do due diligence, you're, you're, you're in the vineyard, you're a community church, but there's one thing that you're not doing. I am no longer the apple of your eye. I'm not your passion. I am a hobby to you. I am nothing but what you do to be religious. You put me on and you take me off and the word comes to this church and you say, Pastor, well, this is a small thing. Did you not read what Jesus said? He said, I will remove you. Yeah. Well, some would debate whether that's theology or the church's influence. And I say to you, both of them are bad. And in this, we're going to ask ourselves, is God just a hobby? The hard part is this. This is a good church, right? North Walla? Absolutely. We're not just a good church. We are a great church. But we have to ask ourselves inside, are we missing some things when God has not, that's the first place of our life? And I say to you, all of us in this house are guilty, including the pastor. But instead of running to an altar to repent, we run to legalism. We run to religion. We run to Facebook. We put a religious phrase on there. We, we, we put a religious garment. I say things like this. I don't cuss like TJ. I don't drink like Tommy. I, I, I don't fight my spouse like Joey. <laughs> I didn't mean to use you there, but you understand. He, he's single. Sorry, sorry. But you understand, we put that legalism on. <laughs> I'm better than you are. I look better than Herschel. I seem better than Roy. And we put that legalism on. And God's standing back saying, I know who you really are. And I know what's going on in your life. So when God convicts us of this coldness inside, that's why churches all over our community have Ichabod Baptist and Ichabod Presbyterian and Ichabod Church of God. They're closing, not because we don't have air conditioners. They're closing because people are not in love with God anymore. They stand out in the heat for in 100 degrees to cheer on tigers, but nobody wants to come to God's house with an air conditioner at 70 to cheer on the Lamb of God. God who took away our sins. 
but not just legalism, but we also run also too to being busy. And this is the guilty part of the church. And it really, Brother Steve, puts me in a pickle because sometimes my greatest workers are the one I'm finding out that are getting the less of service, if that makes sense. They're always working. And now I'm coming back to staff and leadership saying, I want you to take a Sunday off. I want you to take two Sundays off. I'd rather you go to a prayer meeting than to another work session. Are you listening? Because if they don't have all of God and they aren't madly in love with Jesus, somebody's gonna hurt their feelings. Somebody's not gonna recognize them. In a weak moment when they're not in love with God, but in love with the work of God, they're gonna respond in the flesh and lose their influence. But when you're walking with Christ and you're madly in love with him, you don't worry about who recognizes you. You don't worry about what somebody said about you. And when they cuss at you for not recognizing their child, you just have that song on the inside. Ain't nobody can do me like Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? That's what happens when you fall madly in love with Jesus Christ. Our churches right now are so cold and barren and dry. No wonder the Holy Ghost is not moving because I believe that the Spirit of God is not going to fall on this wet, damper wood that's in our churches. But I also believe that there's a wind that's about to blow in the house of God again where people are in love with Jesus Christ. They are madly in love with him. He is the good shepherd. He is the lion of Judah. He is the chain breaker and the yoke carrier. He is the bread in my soul and the water for my nourishment. He's my friend when I'm alone, so I never feel like I am alone. He is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. That way I never run out of the fire of God. It's not religion, baby. It's not the church of God. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who lives inside of us. Listen quickly. One thing against them. Even though they had zeal for orthodoxy, they lost their love with Jesus. They had Bible studies, but not love for Christ. They were checking boxes instead of falling on their face. We've got women's auxiliary? Check. we got youth around the world? Check. we got... Annie Armstrong Easter offering for my Baptist folks. Yep, they still do that? I grew up Baptist. See, check. We check all these boxes. But somewhere, somebody's gonna ask, is God in our buildings anymore? Is God showing up anymore? When churches go all year and nobody's being baptized? Stop. Stop. Brother Nolan, we, we got the song that we wanted to sing. Well, bless your little heart. I didn't know it was Burger King. I didn't know it was Burger King. I, I, I didn't. Everybody's happy but Jesus. But anyway, what we happened is this. They stood against evil. They had a love for the Lord, but they were sluggish for the love of God, I should say. And because they were sluggish for the love of God, they were sluggish toward each other as well. There are three quick signs I want to give you that you need to check yourself and see if your love's grown cold. First of all, do you still have your joy? Do you still have your joy? the joy of the Holy Ghost, the joy of the Spirit. The old church used to walk around and ask this question. I don't know if you remember this. They would say, do you have the victory? And I would say, I think so. Do you have the victory? I, I was thinking, I didn't know I could lose it, but I think so. But that joy is something powerful. In fact, Paul would tell the church at Philippi, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
And we use that scripture for everything. But really he was talking about a church that he wanted to maintain their joy in hardships. So Christ can give me strength to keep my joy when it seems like all the world is falling down around me. My business, my career, my spouse, my children, my life. I can still maintain my relationship and joy with Jesus Christ. If you don't have your joy, then your walk with Christ is nothing more than a routine. Go to church on Sunday, go to church on Wednesday, I pay my tithe, I love my neighbor sometimes. It's nothing but a routine. It's where we just get in a pattern, routine, routine. And look, the millennial culture is so easy because we can just put things on auto, autopilot. Ties go out, check this part, this happens, this happens, this happens, everything is set up. But sometimes you've got to stop and ask yourself, is the joy still there? Are, are you singing the choir because you have joy? Did you come to church this morning because you had joy in your heart or you, you came to get your wife off your back? It's joy as you walk in saying, this church is not perfect, but this is my church. It's the best church I know. I know my pastor's gonna preach a good word. He's a little chubby. He's gonna get excited, but it's gonna be a good word. I know the music was gonna be awesome and it was awesome. I know I'm excited to be in God's house or have you already set your alarm on what you're gonna do this afternoon? Where's your joy at? When your joy is gone, you become mechanical. You cannot do Jesus in the mechanical format. Why? Because you will lose his intimacy. The beauty of God showing up. One of the greatest things that the Holy Ghost showed me in my prayer time this week is my baby Ashton. When Ashton is, we were at Tommy Galloway's house yesterday. He turned 86, I think it was, 86. It's 86, 46, my bad, 46. He turned 46. Ashton had two ice creams, so he was a little rambunctious. But, but when we get home, it's different though. When nobody's there, normally Ashton here at church, he comes up beside me and, and he'll just kind of get up under my wing because there's people that he doesn't know. He loves everybody. He calls them his church people. I, I heard Sheila on the radio this week advertise the first community and I can hear Ashton saying, that's my church people right there. <laughs> but you know what happens when I get home with him? When nobody else is around, he'll start taking his clothes off. He'll get down to his night-night time, he'll put his pull-up on, and I know he's cute as a button, he has a little belly button, that's an Audi and not an any. you understand? He's my baby, he just feels so comfortable. But here in the sanctuary, he would never do that. He would never take off his shirt in front of you out of embarrassment. But when he's with me, he strips all the way down, he hops in my lap. Friday night, we didn't go to the football game. You wanna know why? Well, that's this, I'm gonna, lose some, I'm gonna lose some of my man points because I made a promise to him to go see the Lion King. So while Wahala was running touchdowns, I'm watching Umbo, Simba, somebody, I don't know who it was, somebody. I'm watching a monkey hold up a lion, I know that. And all of a sudden, when that scar, scar came on there, I didn't get to watch this kind of cartoons. I'm from Society Hill. But anyway, when, when Scar come on there, all of a sudden, he jumps in my lap. He curls up because he knew that there's protection with Daddy. And when I'm at home with him, he'll strip down to his bare necessities, jump in my lap. He'll jump around, jump on my head. And he's just that laughter. It's so contagious. It's one of the greatest joys of my life. 
And I felt the Holy Ghost say to me as I thought about that in my prayer this morning, that's how God wants us to be before him and his throne room. But when we're so caught up in the world and what people think, and we're so caught up that we can't be naked and transparent before God, when we're worried about what everybody thinks about us, when we come to church worried about who's gonna get mad or who's gonna get upset or who did this this week, when we worry about these things, we can't be naked before the Lord. I'm telling you, before my God, there is joy. And before my God, his throne, there is peace. And before my God's throne, there is power. And there's no devil in hell can destroy me when I'm in the presence of my Father. I come to let somebody know this morning, go back to your joy. Go back to where you love to be saved and you wanted to come to God's church and be in God's presence. The joy of the Lord is still your strength this morning if you would enjoy the joy of the Lord. Two, you lose your joy. May we be like small children. Two, a sign that you've lost your first love is when you forget about others and only yourself. When you begin to lose the ability to love others. When we're in the presence of God and have his joy, we receive his love. And by receiving his love, we then share it with others. When we become so, so hard and calloused that we always find fault with everything and everybody and we can't love anymore, you've lost your first love. I'll prove it to you. Now that we've grown in religion, we see Roy Jones come in. He's bound by addiction. We say things like this. I've been in the church 20 years. I've seen him come, seen him go. He'll be here through a motion a few Sundays, then he'll be back on that stuff. I don't even know why that pastor gets so excited. But go back to the first week you got saved. When you were running around town telling everybody, I can't, I can't, Joe, Joe Singleton, I can't be at the party this Friday night, but you come to my party. I don't have anything to give you. I don't have drugs. I don't have alcohol. And Joe, I don't have any women in Salem that look pretty, so I don't have nothing, all right? But I tell you where you can come to, you go to North Walhalla. If you lost your mind, what are you talking about? God saved me. Oh, it won't last. No, no, God saved me. I don't even want that stuff anymore. My sins have been forgiven. I can't go where you are, but you can come to where I am. Because when you're in love with Jesus, you hadn't forgot about where God's brought you from. When you're in love with Jesus, you, you realize you've made some mistakes along the way. When you're in love with Jesus, you don't sit on your high perch and say, I've never done anything wrong. When you're in love with Jesus, you realize if it had not been for the Lord on my side, if it had not been for his grace, I wouldn't be here today. When you're madly in love with Jesus, you're telling the red, yellow, black, and white, poor, rich, it doesn't matter, he's still the king. He's still the forgiver. He'll wipe your sins away and turn your life around. Do you love people today? Do you love people today? That give me a little bit more time to preach because I've got something to say. Thirdly, you know that you lost your first love when you lose focus of your own reality. When church and religion becomes only about you, then you've lost your first love. Somebody say amen. Just give me one. Thank you. We become more and more important when we lose our first love. Stay with me, now don't get mad at me. 
when, hmm, you remember? Oh, wow, thank you, Lord. You remember when God spoke to David, when the prophet rebuked him? Oh, I feel that. The prophet said, when you were small in your own eyes, when you were small in your own eyes, did not God perform for you? But when you were big in your eyes, you stole somebody else, point two, little lamb. Folks, you lose your, when you're losing your first love, you're no longer interested in kingdom things. You're interested in selfish things. I've got to be the biggest star. I've got to be the biggest this. My family has to be the biggest this. This one gets this. That one gets that. That preacher's got that. They're political. Yes, yes, yes. Probably all that is true. But the difference between falling and moving forward is this. When you're in love with Jesus, you know all that's taking place, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, the church down the road pays their pastor this. Does it matter? Well, the, the preacher down the road knew somebody in Cleveland. Well, I hope he knows somebody when it goes south at that church as well. It doesn't matter. Well, this one knew this one at Columbia. It doesn't matter when you're small in your own eyes because you realize he is still my savior. He loves me. He wants me to be blessed. That's why he preached the Beatitudes to me. That's why I don't get upset at restaurants. That's why I don't get mad with road rage here in Wahala because nobody stops at that stop sign. I'm just gonna put the little turtle out there and say, watch my babies, please, you understand? I don't understand. Listen, why? Because when you're in love with Jesus, you don't protect buildings or structures or monuments or grandma's cakes or granddaddy's moonshine. You protect the moving of the spirit, the power of God and the love of God that can redeem a multitude of people from hell. When people lose out on God, they protect their buildings, their cultures, their styles. But people that are in love of Jesus says it like this. I don't care if Tony preaches. I don't care if his wife preaches. But God, I just want you to save my boy before it's too late. I don't care who sings. I don't care if it's Amy Jones or Chris Burton. I don't care. As long as conviction comes and my daughter is saved from a devil's hell. I don't care who gets the glory because I know God, you and I, I love you and you love me. And I can't wait for us to talk again tonight because I know you're gonna take care of me and my family. Give God praise as I close this morning. Oh God. Oh, we praise you in this house. Pastor, you, you, you've touched a nerve with me. I, I agree, my joy is not there. My, my love for people is not there. And I've been selfish at times. All of us are guilty. So pastor, what can I do? Let's go back to Revelation, this chapter two, please. Pastor, what can I do to restore? This is what you've got to get as a close. First of all, scripture is clear. He tells us what to do to get that back, first of all, you've got to remember. Look to your neighbor and say, remember. When, when you get to that place and you don't even want to come to church anymore or love God, you've got to stop and realize. Look back to where you were. Like the prodigal in the hog pen. When the prodigal was, was at the lowest place he had a memory of a daddy who was good. 
when you're at the lowest place of your walk with God, your faith, lack thereof, I want you to look back and remember you have a father who is still a good, good father. Oh, this is not a rebuke this morning. This is an encouraging word to a church. Now, if it comes to you as a rebuke, then you receive it as a father was spanking a child. That's what the scripture says. I didn't mean that harsh. The Bible says, re remember, God first awaken our soul. As a child looking back to the former days, we should remember. Remember the excitement when you were, that you had when God plucked you out of darkness. Remember that you once were an orphan and now you are a son and a daughter. Do you remember when you danced before God as Ashton would in my presence with freedom before you knew better than dance in front of religious people? Do you remember how you would go to work and they would look at you crazy after you first got saved and people were like, something wrong with him. But they didn't know that the guilt and shame was off your life. And you were no longer bound by things that you were doing in the dark. And why church people were saying, if I ever catch you with this or catch you with that, and you were with pornography or this or that, you were now walking in the light of God saying, oh, Father, it doesn't matter. You have forgiven me, and I'm never going back to that. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things yeah. have passed away, and God, you made all things new. Don't you remember how it felt to know I'm no longer a slave, but I am a child of the Most High God, and I belong to Him. I've come to let you know He's still that God, the morning. If you don't feel that now, you should be at this altar. If you don't feel that joy like you once did in the past, God's not changed, friend. You've changed. Church is just routine for you, but I've come to let you know He's the same God. He's not changed and He still wants you to come before His presence with joy and excitement. Psalm 73 and 25. Can you say like this when you sing, as the psalmist said, there is nothing I desire besides thee. Oh, God. When, that, when he, he's your desire, when he's your pursuit, things change. I want my kids to desire him more than even church. Where's your desire at today? Do you awake in the night? Longing to be in God's presence. And somebody says, Pastor, I'm, I'm new. I, I don't understand what that means. It simply means that you know that your God wants to spend time with you. This is not formula. This is not ritual. It's not just orthodoxy. This is a relationship with a holy God who wants to empty himself out upon you and you burn bright for him. Can you sing about joy unspeakable still? Can you remember good times of you walking in the Spirit, talking in the Spirit, speaking in the Spirit, dancing in the Spirit? Do you remember times in your house when you ran with joy? Somebody says, Pastor, that's crazy. Well, how about this? Maybe you don't worship that way. Do you remember when you would sit in places and start crying for no reason and people look at you crazy? Do you remember when tears would just fall when you start thinking about how good God has been to you? Do you remember when your child got saved and, and now you look back on that day with excitement and joy? Or are you cold and indifferent and it doesn't matter anymore? Have you ever been at the stoplight in Wahala, the two or three that we have? Have you ever been there crying and talking and speaking and worshiping and people drive up beside you and think, there's something wrong with them. There's nobody else in that car. That's right. 
but you don't care because you've remembered and you realize I can't go another day without God and being madly in love with him. Remember, secondly, repent. You've got to repent this morning. You've got to remember where you once stood. You have left Jerusalem and now you've gone to Egypt. You were in the promised land and now you're walking back in Canaan. You're trying to hide as, as he did in the Old Testament. You're trying to take fig leaves and cover up with services every now and then. You're trying to take a few little praise and worship songs mixed in with a thousand of your filthy stuff and you want to mix it in to put a little fig leaves to cover up your nakedness. But can I tell you, you can't cover what only God can cover. Oh, I wish somebody would just help me for the last eight minutes. You can't cover what only God can cover. You don't make, well, better be careful there. You don't make fig leaves big enough to cover certain sins, you understand? Only God can cover a multitude of sin. He's still that God. But you've got to go back and repent. Tell him once again who he is. Repent of your sins. Return back. Let us come back boldly to the throne of grace where we can attain mercy. Let's come back and fall on our face and lay before God and say, God, don't let me pursue anything above you. Brother Nolan, you're telling me don't have a, a zeal about my career. No, I'm not. You're telling me that I can't be a wealthy man. No, I'm not. Pastor, you're telling me I can't have things. No, I'm not. In fact, I'm preaching against that. You can have all that if you want to, but you better make sure he's first in your life. And when he's first, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And listen to this, the desires of your heart will match holy, righteous things and bring you peace, joy, not pain. Lastly, third thing you've got to do is return. Amazing, God calls us to return where we once fell. He calls us back. He calls us back as the lover does in the Song of Solomon. You remember in the Song of Solomon how they once tossed together in love in the field, in the bed, whatever. You remember what she says? You, you can play. You can play in closing. Is the praise team still in here? I, I like to sing that last song. Is Jessica and the, and the girls still here? Would you, would you come back up? I want one person. You remember the Song of Solomon? When she starts talking about him and she says stuff like this. <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble. It's okay, I stay in trouble. Roy looks at Amy and says, oh, look at her hair, so blonde and beautiful. I didn't say nothing, I stopped, I stopped. Amy looks back at him and says, I love the way his bangs come down. That was chapter one, chapter two, but by the time I believe chapter, end of chapter two, you know what she says about him? He comes and knocks on the door. Now before that, they're talking about veins and elbows and all kind of stuff. It's scripture, scripture, I'm not being crude. It's right there, you can read it. Turn off that stuff you've been watching, go to the Bible, it's there. And so they do that, and by the next chapter, what happens, he knocks. And he says, paraphrasing, Wahala style, baby, can, can I come in there? She says, uh, I don't know. I just took a bath. I, I, I don't want to get out of bed because it's cold. That's what, that's what scripture says. Then she says, I just washed my feet. I, I, I don't want to get my feet dirty. I, I don't, I don't want to get my feet dirty, so I'm going to stay in bed. But what she doesn't realize is this. There comes a moment that he doesn't know. That moment hits, she goes to the door, 
only to find out that her lover is no longer. Then she runs out into the street. She begins to say, have you seen him? My hunk of a man? All that I've told you? And they mock her and say, is he not yours? Did you not brag on him? And now you can't find him. Where is he at? Was he not your lover and you've lost him? How does she go from rolling in the weeds with him to now saying to him, you know what, I don't even want to open the door and let you in. It's too cold. I've got an excuse. You remember that story I opened up with? I've got an excuse, God. I've got a good excuse. Word said, for them, they have no place at me at my table. I come to tell you this morning, he loves you. We've got to keep working. We've got to keep sending missionaries. We've got to keep feeding this town and clothing this town. We can't stop. We've got to be about our father's business, but you hear me as your pastor. None of that will prosper us if we're not madly in love with Jesus Christ. We might have to stay a little longer than 12 o'clock. We might have to show up at Monday morning at six sometimes. I'm not saying you have to pray at six in the morning. I'm just trying to wake your soul up for some of you. You hadn't felt that touch in so long that you don't even believe it's real anymore. He's knocking on our door today. Stand with me please all over the house. Holy Spirit, if I have ever preached your word, if I've ever had a word from you, it is today, Lord. Don't you love him? Don't you love him? I want you girls to sing. I want y'all to sing. Don't you love him? In a few moments, this is what I want to do. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to open up this altar. And what I envision is families coming, husbands and wives, laying on the altar saying, God, it's us. Forgive us for not putting you premium first in our life. God, we want you to take that rightful place where joy is returned. Love is returned for my neighbor, my spouse. God, I dance before your presence just like my boy dances before me with no shame. No shame. Jessica, I, I can't get that vision out of my mind when I, when I pray. My little boy, wouldn't, he, would, he would be so embarrassed before you, but before me, you should see him. Oh, he's so beautiful and so wonderful to see him dance with such freedom. If I can say that about my child, wonder what God is saying about us today. Come before me. Don't worry about what nobody thinks. Come before me and enjoy my love and grace and passion. And you know what I always do when my children do that? Once they start doing that before me and that joy gets on me, you know what I start doing? It's crazy. But Kevin, I start even passing out. I might give Aiden a 20. Here, baby, go, 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 on, go on to the Mexican restaurant. Oh, Ashton, you want a new pair of boots? You want to know why? Because if I, being evil, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more does the Heavenly Father know how to give of them who ask of Him? It's not about gifts, but I'm just saying it's that overflow of love. God meeting that need when I didn't even ask Him. When I said, God, I'm just here because I love you. That's all I want to do. And if you're lost, you join in and let me pray with you. And I'll tell you about this great love on three. One, every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. I, I really, 
I really feel comical even asking you to do that after what I just preached. Two, all over the house. I don't care, don't worry about anybody else. You can't be madly loving God worried about what your brother thinks. I want you to come lay, sit, deal with your family in my house. For me in my house, he's gonna be first. We're gonna love him above anything else and we will be successful. Three, would you come all over the house? Come quickly.